Shania Meets a Northsider by Alice Bowyer Once upon a time in Peckham, there lived a girl called Shania. So ripe in her youth was she that she'd only just got through five phones, eighteen just-do-it bags and twenty quid's worth of one-piece sherbets. Every night before Shania went to bed, her mother would always whisper in her ear, Beware of the fiendish Northsider so sly, he'll jump on your face. He'll make you cry. Standing tall at just under a meter, beware of this primitive, vicious child-eater. So take account of what just has been said, and always check right under your bed. So every night she did as she was told, and checked under her bed, but never found a Northsider. That was until one terrible day, when her mother was out at Morley's to get some fried chicken, leaving Shania all alone to put herself to bed. So she brushed her teeth, put on her nightgown, washed her face, and stomped her foot. The Northsider never comes, exclaimed Shania. And, she said, it looks like he's never going to either. Therefore, she decided, there's no point in even checking if I ain't never going to find one. With that, she kissed her teeth, swore under her nine-year-old breath, and went to sleep, muttering, Wasting my time, bruv. Wasting my time. In the middle of the night, Shania woke up to something prodding her through the slats of wood in her bed, up through her mattress and into her back. Oh, my days, man, she muttered in her sleep, and then woke up to the pain of the long pointed thing and the faint sound of a jingling bell. She swore yet again at the interruption of her dreams she was having about trainers in which Nike had released one with purple laces. Drowsily, she stuck her hand under her mattress and yelped in pain when something bit her. Mum! she yelled, but nobody came to save her. From underneath the bed, a North London accent mumbled, Your mum ain't coming. What? Who? Where? Why? she exclaimed. There was a long queue at Morley's, said the voice. I made sure of it. With that, the long thing that had been poking her lowered itself down and out of her back, and the teeth released her hand. A small man, standing tall at 96 centimetres, wearing a red hoodie with an N on it, and a red hat with a bell, with a comical moustache and a short nose, was standing over her bed. He took out a chicken wing from his pocket and guzzled the whole thing down. I ain't being funny or nothing, began Shania, but are you gay or a teacher or what? The little man chanted mockingly, Beware of the fiendish Northsider so sly, he'll jump on your face, he'll make you cry. Standing tall at just under a metre, beware of this primitive, vicious child-eater. So take account of what just has been said, and always check, Right under your bed. <laughs> he began to cackle, and she started swearing viciously. Just then, the bedroom window opened, and Northsiders swarmed in in their hundreds, their bells all tinkling behind them. They took the laces from Shania's trainers and tied her up. Then, fastening her to their backs, they carried her in the darkness through Peckham until they reached the public toilet a convenience which had been deemed out of order for about a month, 
ever since it turned out people were using it as a venue to sell pirated DVDs. The Northsider blew his nose on a red handkerchief taken from his pocket, and out with a pile of snot came a key. He twisted it into the door and they crowded in. That was when Shania realised that this was not a public toilet at all, but instead an extension of the northern line that nobody knew about. They walked down five flights of stairs to get to the platform, on which they boarded a train heading towards High High Barnet. They forced her into the train, which was pretty much all red due to the number of Northsiders in there. Some were reading metros, some playing flutes with their noses, and others flicking through their mobiles. Nobody took any notice of Shania, except for one woman who leant over to the one who'd been lurking under her bed and said, Caught another one, Brent. Yeah, Harrow, he replied. The tube rattled on for miles and miles. It went overground, then back in again, and then out again, and then in. Finally, it emerged for the last time into a world of semi-detached UPVC 1930s mock Tudor houses, green spaces with occasional tower blocks in them, motorways, and more Tesco locals than you could count. Only, the same scenes kept on repeating themselves. The trees always had four pigeons in them. They went for miles and miles without seeing a Morrison's or a Sainsbury's. The houses were always built four per terrace, and the playgrounds always had five little girls, four little boys, one pregnant mother, and two yobs in them. The first stop was High Camden Town, the second High Brent Cross, the third High Angel, then High Seven Sisters, High Hendon, High Wolfenstow, and finally High High Barnet. There they carried her off and into a tube station just like all the others she had passed. They went through the ticket office to yet another toilet, where a trap door led them to a dark, dingy cellar full of mice with bells on their tails. They crowded around her in a circle and began to sing a song in high, chirpy voices that went something like this. Barnet, Arringay, Hackney, Brent, no one knows where you've been sent, or what will become of poor Shania, or how she met the Southside Slayer. Your mum returns from Morley's and what does she find? Some laceless trainers left behind. The window open just a crack. No sign of when you will be back. So one last lesson, little friend. Never try and rep your ends. After the song, they all struck a match from a packet on the floor and set light to a bed of straw in the middle of the circle. Slowly and carefully, they tried to edge the poor girl on. Closer and closer to the flame she went, until... Vroom, vroom! The crazy frog ringtone blasted out, and a trapdoor crashed open as a boy on a tiny bike with the body of a child and the face of a minotaur entered the room. The license plate of the bike reading CNR 092. It was none other than Connor, the legendary SE15 hero, there to rescue the Peckhamite damsel in distress. With a click of his miniature fingers, his trusty Staffordshire Bull Terrier, who seemed to be heavily pregnant, ran in and gave birth to a dozen puppies, each stronger jawed than the last. The puppies flung themselves on the Northsiders as Connor changed the music to the Peckham National Anthem, a moving song about how a small countryside village built on an industry of fried chicken, 
hairdressing and fitted carpets managed to become an inner suburb of London, now with a BR station and a lot of gang violence. Finally, once all the Northsiders had been chewed up to the extent where they were still alive but could no longer move, Connor put them in a sack attached to a skateboard and let it drag along behind his bike. He let Shania sit on the crossbar and they rode all the way back to Peckham. When they returned, the whole village was waiting anxiously by the Camberwell border for Connor's chariot to roll up, rich with Northside goods he'd picked up on the way. It was already half past three and the villagers were getting anxious. When up came Connor, in all his glory, eating a kebab he'd stopped off for in Woolworth, which had caused a delay in his journey. Once he got off his bike, he tied up the sack of Northsiders so they might never escape, and paraded around the road with it. That was the glorious moment when carpet millionaire Lord Harris himself drove up in his nylon Ferrari and issued him with a medal and announced, From this moment onwards, you shall no longer be Connor, but instead have the title of Connor the Bold. The whole of Peckham cheered once more, and the Northsiders were sent to the gallows outside the leisure centre, and the public toilet tube station was destroyed, and a carpet rack built on the site. The End